0: Hello, unfound? Hello, are The we're gonna, we're gonna hey, Paul, how are you? Hi, hey, good. How are you? Mm-hmm. Where are you? I was going to join us. Okay. Oh. Look okay. how big he is. Wow. Because were off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So as you all well know, right, tomorrow night is not only uh, Rosh Hashanah, but it's also Shabbos. And this year we are going to be having Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos. Now, for people who understand the calendar well, this is probably kind of makes a lot of sense. Uh, For me, it's interesting that you would think that those years that we have Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos would be reasonably uniformly spread out throughout the 19-year cycle calendar cycle or however it's done, but actually it's not true. It turns out that it, there's like clusters and then large breaks of Rosh Hashanahs on Shabbos. So you have them like three or four years out of every five, then we just had a uh, 11 year break, which I did not know, but someone mentioned to me today that we've had a, a uh, 11 year break since our last Shabbos Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. So it's the first time in a while, okay. So, they, as we know, right, we... we I know that. <laughs> well, No, I, I know that because I remember that uh, David, Paul's nephew, was at medical school here when we last had Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos. Oh, yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. We're having a Rosh Hashanah luncheon. Rosh Hashanah on luncheon Shabbat. is very difficult because we always do it first day. Uh, it's much more difficult on Shabbos, so it hasn't been for a long time. Uh, okay. Well, this year is COVID, and hopefully you have another 11-year break, so you don't have to worry about it for one. Um, okay, so actually, I think it's going to be, and I think we're probably going to have it again next year, but, um, so we know that we don't blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, sorry, on Shabbos, and the reason that we all know is the one that's given in the, in the, in the Talmud Babli, the opinion of Rubba in the name of Rob, I believe that it's because we are concerned that maybe somebody, when they have to check if their shofar is kosher or not, they'll possibly carry it for four almost in a public domain. They'll carry it a uh, prohibited distance and take it from a private domain to a public domain and they will transgress the Shabbos. So therefore, the rabbis decreed that we should not blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, even, sorry, on, on, on Shabbat, even though the Torah commands us to uh, do so. So just as a piece of trivia, this is actually the opinion of the Babli, of the Babylonian Talmud. The Jerusalem Talmud actually writes that the reason why we don't blow Shofar and Shabbos is because there is a biblical derivation. It says in one place, Zichron Trua" and, uh, and, and in another place it says Yom Trua," a day of blowing, and the other one it says a commemoration of blowing. So they seem to be, you know, two contradictory ideas. And, there seems to be a notion of some commemoration for blowing, meaning not actual blowing. And then in another place, there is a day of blowing. So the uh, Yerushalmi explains that that right that the Torah is saying that for Shabbos there's only Zichron Trua, but for weekday there's actually Yom Trua. Uh, the Babli disagrees with this for a couple of reasons. Number one. The accepted opinion, and this is both in the Rishami and the Babli, is that in the temple they blew on on Shabbos. So if the temple they blew on Shabbos, right, so how could that be? If the Torah said not to blow on Shabbos, why would they blow in the temple? If the Torah said to blow on Shabbos, then why don't we blow everywhere else if we're all talking about, you know, biblical uh, biblically mandated things? The other question is, is that why would the Torah prohibit it? There is no biblical prohibition of even playing an instrument on Shabbos. The only problem is rabbinic in nature because maybe you'll come to fix it, whatever it is, but there's actually no biblical prohibition against there's no against making music or blowing or anything, right? So why would the Torah think that there's any problem with um, blowing the shofar on Shabbos that the Torah would have to say zikron true? The other question is, is that we know that there is that, that one does not bring a, does not carry a lulav or esrog either on Shabbos. And according to the Babli, this is for a similar reason, but according to the uh, Yerushalmi, they would have to explain why this halacha is true, that you don't carry a of and esrog on Shabbos if the derivation of zikron and yom don't apply to Sukkot. The other question is, is that there's a very, uh, uh, kind of the, the explanation of the Babali is very hard to understand right because first of all why how could the rabbi say that we don't have to do something which the Torah commands us to do? the Torah says to blow shofar it says you have to blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah and you know biblically there's only one day of Rosh Hashanah which we'll see in a second why that makes a difference so why you have to blow shofar and if it falls on Shabbos and the rabbis are basically uprooting the mitzvah of shofar from, from from that year. So why why so why is this is this okay? So there's a long discussion about this. It gets involved in a topic called uh, that uh chazal iker could be eiker and al There are certain instances where the rabbis are able to uproot something from the Torah if it involves not doing an action versus doing an action. But in general, there's a much more, I think, interesting, I shouldn't should say, much more, that, that itself is a fascinating question, but there's a much more disturbing statement in the, the Gemara. Wait a minute, Rabbi? What? So, yeah, so uh, I missed you for a second, I broke up. You mean yeah. that the, the rationale of the rabbis is that you're not supposed to carry? It? So we know that there's a biblical prohibition against carrying. Yeah, so that's the and reason that, for not. Not doing it. And but for yes. doing it as a mitzvah, the Torah says you have to do it. Yeah, but so what if, what if you're if you don't carry it, you're just doing it in the shul, you're doing it in your home, whatever it is. So then so the question is you are definitely violating the rabbinical decree not to blow on shabbas. The question is, do you get the biblical mitzvah or not? So so likely no, because we there's a different derivation in the Torah of uh Shmartam S. Mishmarsi that you should preserve my uh, commandments, that gives the rabbis, when they have to uh, preserve certain commandments, and they have a way of weighting them, right? That they have a power through, by in the case of Shavaltasa, by a case where what they're telling you to do is not to do something, right? So meaning they're telling you to kind of sit still and don't do something, they have the power to be Iker Davar They could uproot something from uh, the Torah and take away one of the mitzvahs if it's necessary to, uh, uh, to preserve a different mitzvah. The question is, is that the violation of Shmir Shabbos is so far-fetched right? that maybe you'll have a guy who doesn't know, who takes a shofar to bring it to an expert, and he happens to cross a place where there are 600,000 people going every day, which is what you would need from a biblical meeting. It's an extremely far-fetched case, So why would the rabbis kind of be so far-fetched and uproot shofar, which is a mitzvah in the Torah? Not only that, as we're going to see, it's a much bigger deal than just that. The Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, any year which you do not blow at the beginning of the year, meaning you don't blow on Rosh Hashanah, my real in law, the sofa will have bad things happening uh, at its at its end. So you have to blow. If you don't blow, it, it's it's a it's a, it's a very bad thing. Taisus over there asked the question. He says that, but the rabbi said you can't blow on Chavez. So Taisus says, okay, it's talking about a different case where you were a inus, where you were powerless. You had kind of you were completely not at fault. It was completely accidental. Whatever, you know, you were stuck in the jail or you were in Siberia, you couldn't blow. Still, Maria in uh, law wow. it's 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 not a great thing. Yeah, you have to worry that you know that 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 you are losing some sort of uh, protection. So the question is, right? We know that there's a Gemara that says that whenever somebody wants to do a mitzvah and they were prevented against doing it uh, by, by means that were out of uh, control, Hashem mitztarif bachshavah lemaisa and it becomes ke'ilu asa. God considers it as if the mitzvah was done because you wanted to do it, you intended to do it, and certain circumstances out of your control prevented you from doing it. Therefore, in this case also, right? Very not, you know, you, right, you you weren't able to blow shofar, but you wanted to, you tried to, right, in the case of Ines, and circumstances out of your control blocked it. So we say, ki'ilu asa, it's as if the mitzvah was fulfilled. So why do we say, marian law b'saifa, the mitzvah was done? Rabbi Aaron explained, he says, the reason this is because it says the, the power of shofar does not come from the fact that you check the box in the Torah. There are two aspects to, to shofar. One is it's mitzvah. There's a mitzvah of shofar. And that, even you know, if you wanted to do it and you weren't able to do it, you have the key. It was as if you did it, the, check, you know, the box was checked, the mitzvah was done. But it can't give you the effect of the shofar. The shofar has a certain unique power to stir our emotions, to stir things in heaven, to do something. And that onus can't do. Because that requires the actual sound of the shofar. So baron asks, he says, okay, so then why does Tosfes have a right to distinguish between a situation where we did not blow shofar on Shabbos and when you didn't blow when it was circumstances out of your control in both cases you wanted uh, right you you wanted to blow you just couldn't blow either because the rabbi's told you to or because you couldn't but in both cases you don't have the power of the shofar so if you don't have the power of the shofar you don't have the power of the shofar the gemara says why do we blow sitting and standing Right, well, we blow when we sit, we blow when we stand. The Gemara says, in order to uh, confuse the Satan. And Rashi explains what does it mean to confuse the Satan? It means that when the Satan sees how much we love mitzvahs, right, that we blow sitting, uh, we, uh, we blow standing, which is a common thing whenever uh, we want to show. To God that we want to get this right, right? We do right. Uh, we do that sitting and standing. And a uh, example of that is tachanun, right? When you when you uh, are uh, you know saying tachanun during the day, you put your head down, then you sit, then you stand. And when you stand, you say We don't know what to do. We put our head. We've sat. We've 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 stood. It's this idea of you're trying everything to show Hashem how much this means to you. When the Satan sees that, this is very powerful. The reason is, is okay. because the Satan comes to Hashem and he says, you consider yourself a judge, yeah? Hashem says, yeah, I consider myself a judge. Hashem right as Avram calls, Avram calls Hashem, a just judge. So the Satan tells Hashem, but you gave a Torah, right? Yeah. You describe a judge in the Torah. Yeah. What do you say about a judge in the Torah? Lo yisa lo yikach shaychat. Right? You're not allowed to have favorites. You're not allowed to give anybody preferential treatment. You're not allowed to listen to anybody in particular. You're supposed to be even handed, just, impartial and detached. Yeah. What do you tell the, the, the Jewish people? You say, Yisa, right? You told us to give the blessing. Yisa Hashem panavei lecha. Be a saint, lechashalayim. That Hashem will raise his ah, he, he will raise his face to you. He will listen to you. He will be kind to you. Right? And Satan says this is this is your know, God. Uh, you are a hypocrite. I mean, you know, you 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 claim to be just. You claim to be a judge. You give all these very nice, you know, demands in the Torah of what it means to be a judge. You, you know, and now you're going and you're playing favorites. You're you're being kind to the Jews. You're listening to the Jews. You're doing all these nice things for them you're you know judging them with mercy instead of justice i mean you know you hire me as a as a prosecutor and this is a kangaroo court I, you know, what, what's going on over here and hashem says, <laughs> hashem says you're right but there's a big distinction i treat them the way they treat me if the jews would satisfy themselves with following everything in the torah just because they have to, and it's a law. And they wouldn't care about it. Then I would treat them with the same uh, uh, impartiality. But they don't. They're mechavim mitzvos. They go well beyond what they have to do. They deeply care about everything in the Torah. They sacrifice for it far more than they have to. They care about it far more than they have to. Far more than what the stricter uh, kind of. The, the, the far more than what the letter of the, of, the, of the law demands, they treat me this way. They go, Lifnim hadin, they go completely inside the bounds of judgment, and therefore I have a right to treat them the same way. So when we blow the shofar and we're sitting and we're standing and we're showing Hashem how much we care about the mitzvah, how we do it this way and that way, and Hashem says to do nine sounds and we do a hundred sounds, and Hashem says a trua, and we don't know what a trua is. So we do this type of sound and that type of sound. And we have the Baltakea and we have a Makri who counts the seconds to make sure everything is done. The Satan's sitting there is like, listen, these guys are crazy. I mean, you know, they you know the, the Torah says, blow a shofar, a trua. You know, go take a ram's horn, blow, and go home and eat honey cake. I mean, what are you guys doing over there? You're sitting there, you're crying, you're Davening, you're doing all these different things. You're machavim mitzvos and that makes the satan very, very uncomfortable. The most powerful, the most, inc- most, the most incredibly powerful message to send to God and to the satan on Rosh Hashanah is love of mitzvahs, is the pure and kind of unabashed love and dedication to mitzvahs. Why don't we blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah? Shofar is incredibly powerful. It awakens the memories of Yitzchak and the Akedah. It awakens our hearts. It does everything right. Why? Because we care about each other and about Shabbos so much that there is a far-fetched risk that some Jew, somewhere, this will bring him to Chil Shabbos? No. We're ready to pass up on Shofar? We're ready to be ochre at Min in order to ensure that Shabbos, which is uh o shalom, it is, you know, kind of, it's the, it's the cornerstone of faith. It's this incredibly important thing. It's the sign, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the one, one of the most important symbols of our relationship with God. We, we are completely and incredibly, just completely anal about that. For us, not only our Shabbos observance, but we care about every single Jew. Every single Jew Shabbos observance is that important to us that we are ready to give up shofar and the power of shofar in order for this to be, right? In order to prevent one Jew once every hundred years from getting an aid. And when the Satan sees this, and when God sees this, This is much more powerful than just sitting and standing. This is a real message to the sata and to Hashem how seriously we take this entire enterprise. And that's why Chazal said that we have the right to take away shofar even in the days when it was one day to take away shofar from the entire Rosh Hashanah to save one Jew once every 10 years from Chil Shabbos. Because Chil Shabbos strikes at the very heart of this relationship, and Rosh Hashanah is all about this relationship. And that's why we don't blow Shofar on Rosh Hashanah, on Shabbos, sorry. Yeah? I remember hearing also that, uh, that, that Shofar, in a way, it's not only a mitzvah, but it's essential for the other things that we that we pray, that we in for on on uh, Rosh Hashanah, Malchut yeah. and schuyot, That they're, they're not real and they're not forceful unless they're expressed through Shofar. So then all the rest of it is also flawed. Yeah, Sorry? exactly. Yeah, and 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 that's the idea. The idea is that we we you know we understand that and we're sacrificing that. And, and we hope that the power of the sacrifice could help compensate for it. But, but yeah, we are sacrificing for it. And Tysus is saying that the power of this sacrifice you know, does compensate, but it's definitely a sacrifice. And it definitely weakens the power. You know, that's, that's 100% true. Yeah. Rameshaya, <laughs> what do you think? You agree? It doesn't fully agree. <laughs> um, so there's a, there, there's a very interesting um, kind of halachic aspect over here also we're well, it's a, it's a, well. okay what's your rant. i'm going to do him sitting i'm going to do him standing <laughs> he's, 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 he's going to blow show um there's there's a very interesting there's a very interesting a very interesting question where somebody there was a, there was, a, there, was a, there was a question about uh, a person. This is more from like a halachic idea, right? So there, there's a there there's a there, there there's an issue about you you right, when you blow a shofar, you have to be able to hear the sound of the shofar. So the gemara says that if someone is if you blow inside a pit, right, and there's and there's a echo, it's not valid. But it says no, inside of what? It's, uh, it's not valid. If you blow inside a pit or inside a cave and you have a very strong echo, it's not valid. The reason is because you have to hear the sound of the shofar itself. So there's all these questions about hearing aids and, you know, microphones and whatever. I mean, microphones also have, 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 uh, have uh, other issues. But with regards to uh, shofar, there's another concern about being able to hear the sound of the shofar which is why David actually takes out his his his, um, his hearing aid and he stands near the shofar. This year he's not going to do that. Um, so so uh, so the, so there's the following Shiloh, right? The gemara says, however, if let's say you start blowing inside the cave and you leave the cave in middle, then your then it's considered to be valid. Why? Because part of the sound mikta's kal, part, part, a part of the sound was audible outside the cave and therefore, that's fine. All you have to hear is a small part of the tekiah and that's it. However, it says in a different passage in Talmud, that it, so if you want to uh, fulfill the mitzvah, you have to blow during the day. So if, I forget if it's from sunrise or from, or from uh, dawn, but you have, to, you have to blow during the day. So the question is, it says if you start blowing when it's night and you end your right and you end the sound when it's day, it's uh, invalid because the entire sound has to be valid. It seems to be a contradiction. In one place we say all you have to do is hear a small part of the sound. In the other place we say that you have to that the whole sound has to be has to be blown during during the day, in order for you to be able to hear the sound. So there's a fascinating explanation to this. And this is, I think, very, very important when it comes to kind of thinking about a uh, blown shofar, that there is, when we talk about how long you have to blow for, right? How long each sound has to be, that's not for the listener. It's for the sound, meaning, if you want this sound to be called a tkia, it has to be such a sound that lasts for three seconds or whatever But you only have to hear one second of such a sound. Meaning, to create a tkia, the sound of a tkia, it needs to be a three-second sound. But your mitzvah is only to hear a tkia. So if you even hear a small part of it, you heard heard the sound of a tkia. The problem with blowing inside a pit is that you can't hear. But there's no problem with the sound itself. The sound itself is of the proper lens, not from the proper shofar. So the problem is in the shimiya, it's not in the coil. The problem is in the sound, in you being able to hear the sound, but there's no problem with the inherent characteristic of the sound itself. This is a tkia, but in the pit or in the cave, you didn't hear the tkhiya. You heard an echo. But when you go outside the cave, even for a second, you now hear one second of tkhiya. As opposed to blowing by night, you can't make a tkia by night. Time of day is one of the defining characteristics of the sound. It has to be blown, a sound from a shofar, at the right time on Rosh Hashanah. These are all things which define whether or not the sound is a valid sound or not. So if you started blowing when it was night and it was one sound, then you kind of only blew for one second in the day. You never had a tkiya. There was no tkia. So that's why, so, so, so that's why that case doesn't work. What's up? What's up? Okay. I, I need to, I need to put them down, but, um, okay, 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 okay. All right. We're going to have to, we're going to have to stop. We're going to have to stop okay. early by uh, popular demand. But, if the, um, uh, if, if the baby, if the baby cries in the day and then a little bit at night and you only heard a little bit. At night. I would be very to happy to if that was true. You <laughs> lay <laughs> okay, everyone have Ksimba tova. Herman, I'm not gonna see you over over Oshashana, so you should have a good uh, uh you you and your wife should have a good gebenched year, and everything should be well and healthy and you should enjoy this first year of mutual retirement. Thank you, Rabbi Shana Toba. And shana tova. and to the wonderful Richmond Shana tova. Thank you. Sana toba. Right. Bye bye. Bye.